All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckinisms? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I'm back. I'm back in my house. I've been away for a couple weeks in uh, the lovely country of Canada, which I love. I like being there. It's relaxing. Had a great couple weeks there. Worked really hard. Didn't get out as much as I want. Managed to offend an entire city a little bit uh, with some poetically dark but not critical comments about a certain element of their town that made national clickbait news. And just like that, just like a thousand flashpoints of light, you know, people's brains just set on fire for a minute over one sentence that was taken out of context. Maybe some people listened to it, but I'm not going to make any more hay about it. I had a lovely time in Canada. Maybe I will talk about it a little bit in a little while. Don't know. Before I get too far ahead of myself here, Stephen Dorff is on the show today. I was so fucking blown away by his performance on True Detective that I had to talk to him. And we had a fucking great conversation. Great. I love the guy. I'm happy to be at my house. I'm happy to get back into some regular schedule. The hours that I was shooting were just killing me, and I think they disrupted my entire system. I thought I was uh, uh, getting some sort of, uh, uh, you know, horrendous stomach disorder, but I really think it it had a lot to do with working till three or four in the morning every night and just flipping that schedule. I don't know, but hopefully I'll feel better. I'll let you know. I did hike up the mountain today. I really felt compelled, had to get out there, had to get up to the top, had to breathe, had to listen to some music, had to uh, re-engage with the lizards, the abundance of lizards. It's very pleasant here in Los Angeles. We're having that nice uh, brief two to three weeks of summer right before everything just is on fire. So they're speculating pretty uh, pretty rough fire season this year. I hope uh, you're preparing however one prepares for that. But all that lovely rain apparently just created a lot more brush. We'll see what happens. Suicide rates higher than it's ever been. Fire season is getting stronger. There's a uh, it's raining, um, I think, lizards in the Midwest. But uh, it all seems to be connected. A, a mild disruption in the history of the orb. But look, we're here. We're here today. We're going to talk to Stephen Dorff today. I'm not going to freak out. It's it's like it, it's it's I don't know if you know that feeling when you're away for a few weeks, but and you come home, it's like it's amazing and overwhelming at the same time. Like that the, the transition from, you know, leaving your house to going wherever you're going and adapting to losing all your patterns and you have your few travel patterns and coming back and re-engaging with your life patterns. Then you have to get all those supplied, get all the supply levels back up and uh, re-engage with that. But uh, I'm happy. I'm wearing shorts. I will say this. The experience I had in uh, in Canada shooting this film, Stardust, was, uh, was really a, a great one for me as somebody who's working as an actor occasionally, just to lock in, shoot those hours, have to be real kind of economical and lean, have to show up for work and make sure you nail those takes. You know, we're shooting one, two takes, and that director, Gabriel Range, is moving on. We have a lot to cover and a lot to do. Johnny Flynn's doing an amazing Bowie, 1971 Bowie, vulnerable, kind of uh, insecure, kind of uh, 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 not quite formed Bowie. 
And it was, I think we got a really great dynamic going. There was sort there was elements of sort of a buddy road movie happening and, and there was sort of the two varying personalities really kind of started to gel and it was a great experience. It was great talking to him and, uh, you know, talking music and it was, you know, it was generally, uh, it was a tedious shoot, but it was very engaged, which is a lot better than sitting around a set doing nothing. So I had, I had, uh, a, a really good time and I and I do feel tremendously relaxed in Canada uh, and the people are there there are very nice and it just I I just I just do right when I right when I fly across the border it's just like it just it's like oh it's not in the air here it's not in the air whoo man I I literally slept for about an hour on the plane it's very interesting I'm sitting next to a guy and, uh, and, you know, he's into his own world and I'm into my own world. We're both listening to music. He seems pretty intense. He's listening to some music. He's got a lot of thoughts going on. We're both kind of napping across the aisle. There's a, uh, some guy reading Willie Nelson's autobiography and, and the cover of that book is Willie with one of those, it's a portrait of Willie. And he's got, he's just looking out, but it's shot in a way that he's always looking at you. You know, those paintings that are always looking at you. Well, the face of Willie Nelson from across the aisle was always looking at me. And I guess always looking at anybody who was walking by. And I swear at some point, the guy sitting next to me, uh, looked over and, and actually acknowledged with a head nod and waved at Willie's face. I'm pretty sure. And I don't think that's a negative thing. I thought it was an interesting thing. You have moments. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't he? He's listening to music. And then about an hour before the flight uh, lands, you know, he, you know, he, we decide, we start talking and he realizes he knows who I am. And then he tells me who he is and it's Scott Cooper and he's this uh, amazing film director. And we just started riffing about movies, but you know, he, he's, he's thinking, man, he's, you know, he's out in his mind and you know, and Willie was looking at maybe at a moment where it's like, yeah, Willie, you know, that's, you know, thanks, man. That, maybe it was just a sort of like, thank you, Willie, in a general way, putting it out into the ether, which there's a real good chance that Willie will pick that up. You know, knowing Willie, it's possible. But it was uh, it was this guy, Scott Cooper, who directed a Black Mass. He directed uh, uh, Hostiles. He directed Crazy Heart. But, you know, he's like a deep guy. He shoots dark movies. We had a nice chat. I, you know, I got to get him on the show at some point, I told him. But he didn't recognize me without my mustache, and I wouldn't have recognized him. And initially, uh, he was just a guy that that seemed to nod and wave at the cover of a book from across the way. But everything changed when we started talking. But he's still that guy, I think. I should have asked him. And I'll ask him. I'll text him. I'll ask him. Right now, I'm asking publicly, which could go either way, I'm finding, when you talk publicly. can go either way. And I guess I can address it a little bit, I guess, because I, I did not... I had a very interesting and, uh, you know, thoughtful time in Hamilton, Ontario. And I feel that the uh, press, the Canadian press, <laughs> misrepresented, or, or maybe it was just a clickbait because they did put the click, uh, they did put the, the bit up there that I said as, uh, as negative. And I don't, I, I, in retrospect, I do not think it was. I just don't. And uh, I, I thought it was embracing and honest. I think that when an American says something abroad, that it tends to uh, to resonate in a way that, uh, you know, is, is different. It's just like, who the fuck is this outsider? You motherfucker. I get it. I get it, man. There's certainly a lot of cities 
in America that are not unlike Hamilton in that they were once great industrial centers and they've since, uh, you know, that industry has moved on and what it's left is uh, usually, you know, generational poverty, you know, drug addiction, destitution, uh, desolation, you know, I, you know, industrial garbage. And I and I understand I in, in a lot of those cities I love. And I certainly didn't mean to uh, to be sort of insensitive to the struggles of of a city that's in that position in any country. And even here in L.A., you know, the, you know, we have an always a constant you know, escalating real estate market with an influx of uh, new people coming in, pushing people out. In, you know, we have literal tent cities along the highways and uh, a huge one downtown. But the issue really was is that I, I didn't really know much about Hamilton and I was just staying downtown and I, I saw what I saw and it was uh, it was sad but uh, exciting and I knew there had to be some city problems but I didn't realize really you know coming into it that you sort of you're up against this sort of uh, nostalgic civic pride that uh, is is sort of you know reluctantly or not so reluctantly you know uh, uh, aligned with an aggressive, you know, rebranding of the city, you know, meant as an invitation to new investment that might change the makeup of the city. It uh, does not necessarily solve endemic issues of poverty or waste. But I guess if you just believe in the rebrand, you can romanticize the marginalization of a large chunk of your population. But the city is a beautiful city. I had a nice time there, nice people. And, you know, there's not, as, there, not unlike other parts of Canada, there doesn't seem to be the menace that there is in America, and, and that might be just because, in, in a general sense, Canada may treat their their poor better, or or that's just not the way that goes there. But I do uh, I love Canada, and I do feel relaxed there, and I did have a nice time. And if my dark poetry that was not critical but engaged bothered you, I I hope you feel that I've balanced it out because I did have a, a nice. Uh, a nice bowl with uh, quinoa, sweet potatoes, some kale, and uh, and some. It, it was and it, with a nice tahini dressing at a place called Democracy, and uh, down there on uh, I think Lock Street is it. And I did have a, an, another nice uh, sort of raw based uh, bowl at another place called Green Bar, the new one down on Lock Street. So I see the movement. And, uh, and there's a lot of beautiful little homes there. But, man, where I was staying and the few miles out of drive to go to base camp, it was wild. Wild and sad. But, yeah, on the other side of town, the bowls were nice and the homes were nice. Seemed to be nice greenery. Next time, heading to the waterfalls. Here there's a lot of beautiful waterfalls. I will do that. In other news, sortoftrust.com is where you can find all of the uh, dates and theaters for the movie Sword of Trust. The the movie's killing with audiences. I do hope you get to see it. All of my upcoming tour dates, including Toronto in September. I'll be at the Montreal Just for Last uh, Festival. I'm coming into a Raleigh soon, and I've got Detroit on the docket, Austin, Dallas, Houston, Portland, uh, Oregon, Nashville, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., all and, and more dates. If you go to WTFpod.com slash tour, they're there. And uh, that's it. Let's talk. To, I want to I want you to hear me and Stephen Dorff. I, I think it's uh, 
I, I just I'm so glad I talked to him. The True Detective, all episodes of the uh, season three of True Detective are available on all HBO platforms. And this is me uh, talking to uh, Stephen Dorff. <laughs> So you became you're a new new to knife guy. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> I've got like good like nine good ones now. Like pocket knives? Yeah, pocket knife and uh I got a butterfly knife. I got a Do you know how to do the butterfly knife yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah? Yeah, the little You flip it around? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got a little time on your hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually. No, you've been busy. Do you like do you throw knives? Do you have you learned have you taken knife fighting? No. Yeah, <laughs> no. Was, uh, I, I know you were in a movie called Blade, but that, that, that didn't require anything of a knife. I, I talked no, I had to like a, a sword in that. Yeah, we had a, we had sword play, but uh, so you had to do that. You had to learn how to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just, just part of the job. The choreography. <laughs> yeah, just get a sword out and <laughs> got dance they, around. They brought the sword guy on to yeah. teach everyone how to do it. Yeah, the sword guy comes in with the martial arts experts, uh-huh. and then you. Uh, and you learn, and then you learn. Yeah. But uh, but some guys are into knife fighting. Like there's a whole thing to it. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I know a guy who's like knows. He, you know, Brian Callen. Do you know Brian Callen? He's a comic. Another name. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a. You know, he's one of those dudes that does dude shit. And uh, you know, he's he's got a friend who's a knife guy. We we're just talking about it. Hmm. To you know that the, the guys who really know how to be knife guys. They can take you out in like a second. Oh, yeah. They know where to cut it so your tendons stop working. Yeah, exactly. It's like the shiv shit in, in jail. Yeah. You know, that they, they, you know, they make out of toothbrushes right. and stuff. I mean, like you can- But he might not kill you, but he could He could make your arms stop working. He exactly. kn- knows where to cut it. He just it. knows exactly the spot. Scary shit. Jeez. Yeah. So what's going- How's the smoking? <laughs> <laughs> Still going. I don't like it's weird, like because I I know that you got some shit or for a, that advertisement, but I've been on nicotine lozenges for a decade. How are those? They're great. What do they look like? They look like uh, mints, dude. Like so, it's kind of like an electronic cigarette, but a mint. It's like the gum instead of the gum. It's yeah, but like you get a little more control over it than the gum because the gum you just end up chewing all fucking day, whether it's got nicotine or not. When these things are gone, like you tuck them like like a dip. You know, and just kind of suck on them. There's four milligrams in there, and you can just go all day with them. How long have you been doing that? A long time. Where, I, you I, buy, where can you buy those? <laughs> these are, I get Walgreens brand cinnamon, four milligrams, nicotine yeah, I'm lozenges. Like, I'm going to try. Gonna, yeah, dude, because like- I you, think it's time. I just have my chest x-ray at my annual- my physical, like not for movies, but yeah. like my guy. Oh, the real one. Yeah. <laughs> not I, the one where it's like, how you feeling? Yeah. All right, here you go. <laughs> and I, yeah, not that one. <laughs> Sign here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could be dying and they yeah. just insured this huge production. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but yeah, my doctor, which I do every year. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, How'd it look? Looked all right. Yeah, you said you had problems good. though? No, I've never had any, like. No? No, not yet. There so, was something that was written about. Uh, about me that said I had emphysema, but I I don't. But Cindy Adams in New York mentioned that in an article, and I was like, "Thanks, Cindy," because now I hear about it from. <laughs> How's the emphysema, man? Yeah, I know Alec Baldwin, who I had never met, and he called me after a True Detective, and, yeah, and and he was really sweet to yeah. me on the randomly called my agents. My yeah. agents thought it was not Alec Baldwin; it was like a fake. Uh-huh. But then realized it was him and. We did the number game, and he called me, and then he's like, so you have emphysema? And I'm like, no, I don't, man. What are you talking about? I mean, not that I know of, but yeah. I mean, I guess I would know, right? And that's I the mean, first you heard about that? 
Well, yeah, and no, I remembered after World Trade Center, this movie I, I worked on. Uh, That's I, a good movie. Yeah. I played Scott Strauss, the yeah. guy that saved, um, it came into the rubble. And, yeah. Uh, he was a uh, ESU, great great guy. I got to know him and his and his family. And uh, I remember after the premiere the next morning, like, oh, you're in Cindy Adams' column. I'm like, all right. And, and I read it and it said I had emphysema. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I don't, Cindy. <laughs> Jesus. They can just say whatever the fuck you want. I, know, it's, I saw it on, it's on your Wikipedia. Is it? I think so. That I have emphysema? That you, have, that you might have emphysema. Yeah, oh, emphysema. Jesus Christ. I and guess yeah. I should get that changed. Well, I don't know how you do that. Do you? I don't know. Do you call up Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah just say, call them. Say, hey, this is <laughs> Stephen Dorf. And, uh, You're wrong about yeah. this. I <laughs> no, mean, the, I think you can go edit it. I think that's oh, the I thing. Can. Oh, I can. Okay. I think so. Or, or some, get your guy to do it. Yeah. Get, gotta, get someone to figure it out. Yeah, I got to. Unless gotta, you got uh, more time on your hands. Yeah, I'm going to write. Yeah, I'm going to remember that. So you're down in Malibu? Yeah, I've lived out there for like 14 years. And uh, I grew up in Hollywood and like. Lived in the hills, lived everywhere, lived in the valley. Really, uh, you grew up I, here in the as a as a baby. Yeah, I was born in Georgia in Atlanta because my dad was uh, going to college in Athens, University of mm -hmm. Georgia. So my mom was visiting him. They're from New York. That's they, where it happened. They had me. Uh, they met in an elevator in New York, but then my mom was visiting my dad, living with him, finishing college. Oh. Uh, while he was finishing college, they had me, and then I moved to the valley. Uh, Tahunga Avenue in yeah. Studio City, yeah. in an apartment when I was three months old. Well, what, what, so they met in New York. Where they where are they from? They're from oh, Queens, Forest Hills. Both your Flushing. parents are from Queens. Yeah, and they met in, a, in an advertising agency, Elevator Wellsrich Green, which was big in the seventies, I guess. And I would never think you're like a Queens guy. I know well, that's where my my family. You're from. genetically Queens. Queens. So you grew up with people in Queens? Not really, because I grew up in L.A. <laughs> no, I know, but you didn't have grandparents or aunts. Yeah, or grandparents. Uncle? Yeah, my grand, my dad, my grandpa on my mom's side was the head uh, um, head policeman at Shea Stadium. So I had this incredible baseball baseball card collection from him <laughs> left to me, like pictures of like me as a kid uh, or him with him with Mickey yeah. Mantle, him with Hank Aaron. You still got them? I still got a bunch of stuff in storage. Yeah. Oh, you still got storage? I still got a storage unit, yeah. Oh, shit. How long you had that? Forever. It's like, and it's getting bigger and bigger and costing more. <laughs> you mean you more. still put stuff in it? I do, yeah. When I was, when we were making True Detective, I was in, uh, I was in, uh, Arkansas for eight, seven months and I, uh, got really into, uh, I don't know, maybe because of my role, maybe because, I don't know, but I got really into taxidermy. So I bought a bear, I bought an Arkansas bear. It's like six, six. A standing bear? A standing bear that I had. Is that a black bear? It's a black bear. Not a grizzly bear. No, a black Arkansas bear. And uh, awesome. And, and it's, I mean, scary, but cool looking. And then I got this incredible buffalo head that I've, I've always wanted a buffalo head. So like the wall, you hang on the wall? Yeah, but it's big. I mean, it's as, like as big as this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so, buffaloes are huge. So my storage, basically, since that yeah. job has gotten... Pretty. Did you buy any other animals? No, that was it. I'm not a big hunter either. I don't believe in kind of killing animals, but I got into taxidermy being, I think, in the in the middle of I, I've never red state America. I don't really, know. Really, it just but and also because I bought this barn recently. I bought a, a farm outside Nashville, which I plan to make my my little kind of retreat outside of L.A. New yeah. York, where I could just kind of go and 
chill. So you, and when did you get that? I bought it uh, right after True Detective. Oh, so I, it's I haven't new. moved in yet. Yeah, it's new. It's kind of a new project. So and the, all those animals, are, I think, are going to go out there. The the on the wall and in the barn. I think so. So the only structure on the land is a barn. Is a barn and a main house, which is oh, kind of cool. House. There's a main house. The house is cool. It needs a little work. The Outside. barn is the project. That's what I want to make into like a real it's awesome be like, studio and like you know music and yeah. pool and, and oh there's going to be a pool a in the bar. bar yeah no not a pool like a pool, pool table, table. Yeah. Okay. yeah i need to put a pool in so you're going to do a giant musical man cave barn kind of yeah yeah that's the plan kind of and i think spending the last year and a half in the south probably added to this yeah to know. this fantasy well and also just i also had real um reasons to buy it and and uh, i kind of bought it for my brother my who passed away and uh, oh. a couple years ago my little brother who lived in nashville and was an amazing songwriter and oh, what happened to him uh, tragic accident oh, you know worst Jesus. phone call of my life yeah Sorry, he was on a vacation and yeah so i was pretty much gonna two years ago i was uh you're gonna move out there to get be closer nah, to I, him i was just no i was gonna when this happened i yeah. was just kind of gonna pack it up i wanted to get out of malibu i wanted to kind of when he passed you mean yeah i yeah. didn't really want to act anymore i really? didn't want to do anything i just kind of was i was in a pretty uh bummed out spot and uh and then a year to his passing which was very weird uh my brother kind of two really amazing things happened to me and my father um uh, who had obviously had a very rough time with losing andrew and um you know i think as a parent you don't ever want to have to bury your son you right know, that's yeah. not what you want but, yeah uh, anyway um yeah two amazing things happened you know i was given this incredible part of yeah. roland and true detective and my it. dad got into the songwriting hall of fame in new york which was always his dream so my brother kind of touched us both on his year oh. anniversary to the day it was pretty gnarly that's, it was that's good and bad yeah, you know, so I, I was able to induct my dad into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and that was a, a beautiful night where I got to write a speech, and I was shooting True Detective at the time, but was able to get out. They let me out for a couple of days. I went to New York and uh, gave this speech for my dad and talked about my brother. And oh, wow. It was pretty awesome. It was, is it the only sibling? Yeah, he was my, I have two half-sisters that my dad uh, had later, but yeah, it was just me and my brother. Oh, it's heartbreaking, dude. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, and we'd, we'd already kind of, thank you, I, we'd already lost my mom like 12 years ago, so it was kind of... Uh, were they married still? No, oh. no, but I was. we were all real tight you yeah. know, as a family. Yeah, I came from this really tight-knit family for a kid that grew up in L.A. Um, with, as a son of a songwriter, which was kind of in the background, How, but at the it? same time went to school with all these movie stars' kids and, oh, you did? and rich kids. Yeah, so it was a very weird... Uh, was he a hit songwriter? Yeah. I what's, mean, when I was songs? a baby, his first, uh, when we were living in this little apartment um, on Tahunga Avenue, and I was born in 73, my yeah. dad wrote uh, Every Which Way But Loose from the Clint really? Easter movie, yeah, Eddie Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. And so then my dad kind of made some money, then he wrote Through the Years by Kenny Rogers. He wrote some Country big standards. Yeah, big standards. He's he's had like, I think, 30, 30-something number ones. Wow. And my little brother was- All country? Pretty much. I mean, Merle Haggard, uh, you know. Which one? Uh, Coca-Cola Cowboy. Uh-huh. Um, was he a, is he a country guy? Not really. He was just a real, he just got in with those artists. And once he got in with like, Clint, a lot of those movies were very country friendly. And he right. did, did kind of all those. So he got in with Glenn Campbell and started writing. He did a lot for George Strait, wrote all his hits. Uh, really? Yeah, big. 
you know, this is a time. Queens guy. Yeah, Queens guy <laughs> on a little dia- uh, diopsin piano upright. He was like, you know, a little Jewish Jewish kid. He was a Jewish guy right in the country. Yeah, hits. married a Catholic girl, my mom, who mm. was just our mom. And Was she Italian or Irish? Yeah, had Italian in her, mm-hmm. Italian and Polish. Wow. Yeah. I like this story. I like the that... Uh, uh, the Jews that, uh, like, because I'm a Jew, but, like, you know, when you find out stuff, like, you know, most of the Marvel universe was created by Jewish writers. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, you just sort of, like, the that Jews. That I could see, yeah. Yeah, that sort of, like, keep them entertained so they don't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so when you, you grew up, like, in the valley initially. Yeah. Were you brought up Jewish at all? Not really. I mean, it was kind of a weird thing in my family because it was that real, my dad's side of the family, my grandparents on that side were, yeah. there was a little of that weirdness. like The tension? Like yeah. he, he didn't marry oh, a Jew? Oh yeah, there was some tension there. Really? Yeah, there was some major. <laughs> were they really Jewish? Yeah, they were uh, really Jewish. Right. And I think there was that pressure, but then my mom would kind of want us to go to church and look cute, right. me and Andrew, you know, at, on Easter Sunday. And sure. so we kind of did the Catholic thing for my mom. And, right. But we were not a, I wouldn't say a very heavy religious home. Yeah. Know? But there was no pressure for me to get a bar, go to a, have a bar mitzvah. Or, oh, yeah. I ended up learning some Hebrew when I went to Israel. I made a movie in uh, Tel which, Aviv. Which movie was that? So, a little movie called Zaytun. Yeah. Which was. Uh, it was good, actually. It won the runner-up prize in Toronto in, like, 2012. What'd you play? I played an Israeli um, jet pilot in, yeah. the, uh, in the 80s. And uh, it was kind of like a, almost like a foreign film, but it was done in English, but then some Hebrew produced by the people that did King's Speech. Directed did you do the Israeli it. accent? I did, yeah. Huh. I'm terrible at it now, but I mean, I, I called Tov Baruch Hashem. I mean, yeah. I, I learned some shit. You yeah. did? <laughs> yeah. I hung out in Jerusalem. I, I floated in the Dead Sea. I mean, I had a blast. Floating it's a beautiful in the country. Sea. It is. It's intense country. Intense. Intense drinkers there. Oh, yeah? Jesus. They would always like offer me, you know, every time you hear, hear the word chaser, yeah. expect a shot that's as big as this glass of iced tea. I yeah. mean, like, they don't mess around, <laughs> I guess, because they're living for every day, you know? That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, they've really made some sort of oasis out there outside of just the history, just the farmland and every, like, you know. The oh, it's insane. Flower manufacturing. They've oh, just yeah. really dug it out there. Some of the best restaurants I've ever eaten at. Really? I mean, oh, yeah. People were amazing. I'd love to go back. I haven't been back, though, in like, I guess six. Well, you should get there before the end times because, you know, it's yeah. all going to go down. <laughs> let's go there and do our next <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah, over let's there. let's do that from Israel. That'd be the cool. The end of days podcast. I want to be on that list. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do the final the final dispatches from yeah. the planet Earth from Israel. <laughs> it's all happening. So when did you? Uh, so where'd you go to school with all these movie star kids? I uh, at the time I think my mom didn't want me in private in public schools and and where we were living we were kind of living in the valley and I went to one public school the country school in kindergarten yeah and I went to a school. That's very actor friendly now, but wasn't when I went there. A uh, school called Campbell Hall, uh-huh. which is in like Studio City, North yeah. Hollywood. Um, I know that it's actor friendly now, just because I've had to go back there for other jobs. Like when I did the, uh, I did this film with Sofia Coppola uh, well, that's, somewhere. That's a good to, movie. Thank I, you. I had to pick her up, Elle Fanning, at school one day. That was my <laughs> exercise. And so I was trying to make my car smell all right, make sure the seatbelts worked, make sure she. You really had to pick her up at school. Yeah, that was Sofia's <laughs> exercise for the day, and it was amazing. I had three hours with her. We went to Color Me Mine. We made pottery. It was like our bonding time, and it was perfect for me to have to get into that zone without really doing anything just drive over there but going back to the school that i went to Hmm. that i was kind of asked to leave from to pick up this young awesome actress to then take her 
to get yogurt and then color me mine. And then, then we report back to our chief, to Sophia. And she's like, how was the day? And I tell her what we did and we give her the pottery the next day. And Is that is that an unusual request for a director to have exercises? Yeah. I mean, you know, normally it's more straightforward rehearsal. You meet in a room. I mean, right. every director's different. But Sophia was such a uh, special, unique movie experience. It never felt like a normal movie. It felt like we were this intimate little team and... She had me do really interesting exercises in the beginning, like just pick Elle up from school and spend a couple hours, and then you have to get her back to her parents' house uh-huh. at this address. And it was like, okay, that was my responsibility. So in doing that, when it's just the two of us, there's no director st- studying right. us. It's our memory. It's our time to right. ask the questions we feel like asking. You know, uh-huh. And then you know, she'd have me do something like uh, go to a fake dinner, but really have dinner with Elle and Lala, who's playing your wife, and just pretend that it's 10 years before your first, you're doing your first movie in Hollywood and you're having dinner at the Chateau Marmont. And just have dinner and then I'll pay the bill and everything, but just have a normal dinner in huh. your characters, just talking. And, and, and so like by doing that in a weird way, you come back three days later, you come to do a scene. We've already had this long dinner as a family. Yeah. Of. We've already kind of experienced this weird so it's wired two in. hour improv. Wow. It's kind of cool. I mean, I loved working with her. She, she's been on your show, I think, right? Sophia, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like, yeah, she's she so has. Cool. Yeah, I think she's great. Great lady, yeah. And I, I like, and that movie I thought was really great. She Thank definitely you. is able to uh, create a, um, a, a, like a tone. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like There's, pictures and music. What was that movie and, called again? Uh, somewhere. Oh yeah, and I, I for some reason like when I saw it, there was part of me that was sort of um, I I took it, I I saw it as a documentary. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I hope the dwarf's all right. <laughs> like it's like in my mind, I'm like I haven't seen him in a while, and uh, in anything, so this is probably just pretty close to his life, but it wasn't. It wasn't really. I mean, it was kind of Johnny Marco. It was kind of a. I would ask Sophia. I said, "Am I playing somebody, or am I, am I playing myself? Am I playing? You know, because I'm an actor. I've been yeah. an actor most of my life." And she said, "No, I just I wrote it with a blend. But you're really the embodiment of what I want it to be. But don't play Stephen and don't live in Malibu." She said, "Because I don't want you tan and yeah. healthy and in the ocean. I want you pasty and." hung over and I want you living in the chateau the way you would if you were in a darker period of your life. I said, so you're going to pay me to live at the chateau and get wasted every night and just do my thing? And she's like, pretty much. Yeah. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, and what was funny was I was in a healthy place in my life and then I was like, now uh, my job was to go the opposite. It'd be one thing if I was down and right and dirty when she wanted me and I was like, oh, I could just walk into this. But it was like, I was kind of in a, yeah. real healthy zone eating healthy oh yeah up early oh yeah hiking you know it Doing like, yeah it was like oh, you go through shit. waves yeah i go through i, I go through waves i mean i, I like i like training because uh you know and it's funny you mentioned the smoking because yeah. i'm really at the end of my, my rope. rope i think i'm getting to that point it's fucking you know? worse dude i mean it's like yeah. as much as i loved it you know i mean i haven't smoked in like a long time like but i can't get off the fucking nicotine if i do shit just gets too boring because i I uh, you know I've been sober a long time and mm. like so that's gone, and like I've gotten off of everything. You just got to have something. Yeah, and you don't want it to be food. No, or fucking. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, you get too old and yeah. it's like, you know, you're going to, you're going to leave a, a, it's, it's not. Yeah. What else could it be besides food? Well, I mean, I've never and, been a gambler, so I ain't yeah. going to do that. That's just dumb. Yeah. I, it is dumb, right? I love it. I mean, I, God, I love sitting at a blackjack table with, with, you know, but it is the dumbest thing in the there's universe. There's no, like, there's just no winning. And then you keep, I, I don't know. I, I think that in order to really get that bug, you got to have, you know, bet a lot of money and won a lot of money at some point. Yeah, just so you at least hit the high and left on you the high. You can't sit there playing fucking $10, $25 hands of blackjack all night. You're and just going to go gonna crazy. Make... Yeah, no, plus th- the whole night's gone and then you've, you've, you've lost at the end of the night. Even if you had your ups, you're da- you, you maybe won 20 bucks. You're like, right, well, that right. was a waste of 12 yeah, hours. And you had three hours before you yeah. were up 400. <laughs> yeah. And then you walk away with 20 and be like, well, I didn't lose. I missed the Lionel Richie show over this, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, I missed the fucking Cirque du Soleil part 12. <laughs> It, it is. I, I just. I don't like. I think the most I've lost is like eight or nine hundred bucks, and I'm like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that anymore. But yeah. like, but yeah. But the nicotine. I don't know. Maybe you know. There's part. I think of I'm me. gonna pick those up on my way home. And if I do quit over those, I'm gonna thank you forever. Oh, Mark good. Marin. Well, I think the the thing about these, like, as opposed to doing the vapey stuff, is like it gets you out of the habit of the thing. Because like, I don't think you like. I like. I don't do that anymore. Like, I have to smoke when I'm on the show. I'm on Glow. I got it. I got to smoke those fake cigarettes. Right. It's a fucking nightmare. Oh, and they're terrible too. Because when you how when are you, they when fucking you, when you. When you when you kind of go to ash them, they break. So you, it, the whole behavior of smoking is yeah. terrible with those herbals. Like there's great stories and funny shit with me and Mahershala in that car because so much of us is in that car talking. Sure, in that show. I'm, in True Detective, yeah. right? And uh, he's smoking too, though. He's smoking, but you know now it's legal. I mean, you have to on a stage, which we do a lot of those car scenes yeah. in True Detective. You you have to smoke the herbals. If right. I'm outside, I'll smoke real cigarettes. Right. Yeah. But on the stage, I'm smoking the herbals. So in the gag reel at the rap party, they had a gag reel of literally every scene where the window's cracked and it's like, ah, fuck. And I had great, great rhythm with this tough line and the cigarette. There's no coming back from that because it's like, oh, broke, fuck. Yeah, and then there was another one where Mahershala doesn't smoke anyway. So, was, you know, he's trying to, he's acting the smoking yeah. thing and he's doing a good job, but he drops the cigarettes and now the cherry's under him on this burning. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I got it, I got it. And so they had all these moments in the gag reel, it was genius. I was just like, fuck, oh, man. And smoke's getting in my eye all the time. It's the worst smoke. Those herbals, it's the not worst. Really smoke. It's like oregano going in your eye. I don't know what it is, and how is it not fucking bad for you? Like, we're all smoking those on set, but- It, it smells like bad weed, too. It does. It smells like bad weed, but it's got to be burning your lungs. It's got to, yeah, it can't be good. No. Well, that was the thing when I watched uh, True Detective, because I hadn't watched one since, I think I watched the first season, second one I didn't lock into. Yeah. But then I turn the the new one on, and I'm watching. How do you say his name? Mahershala. Mahershala. And, yeah. and I'm like, who the fuck is that other guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's really good. I don't think I've ever seen him before. And I'm like, it's fucking Stephen Dorff. What the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, it's so good. How is he? So, he's so fucking good. Yeah. Somebody sent me a text or a Twitter. That oh, that tweeted about you. You know, people pay attention yeah, to you, yeah. Mark. And I was like, oh, is that, that's a good thing. And, and, and everybody was like, yeah, that's, that's fucking good, you know? And all these people started calling. Like, oh, really? People, well, nice people, like I mentioned, the Alec Baldwin thing, yeah, you yeah. know, saying nice things. I was just like, wow, that makes you feel good. I mean, Nick, Nick Pizzolatto gave me just such an amazing role. You know, I mean, I've played a lot of things, but I just love that role of Roland. Somebody said, uh, it was a very funny tweet. Someone said you were like a young, old Jack Nicholson. When I'm old, I heard like that a, a young, lot. Old yeah. Jack. That's funny. <laughs> I love Jack. I mean, he's a, he's an old buddy of mine too. That's Is how he... I met Angelica because I was a young kid. I wasn't that young, but I was 
was like 22, and I met. I did a, a terrible movie with Dennis Hopper. Which one? Um, movie called Space Truckers, where we played like teamsters in space, driving around frozen pigs. It was Stuart Gordon who did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh-huh. It was just this weird $30 million sci-fi. And they got Dennis to do it? Independent movie, and that's the reason I did it. So me and Dennis, we go over to Ireland where we shot this space yeah. movie. And uh, Debbie Mazar was in it, which was cool. And like, yeah. there's some good people in there. Right. Anyway, Dennis and I hit it off great. And I was, I guess, uh, at the time, I was up for this um, Bob Rafelson movie with Jack called Blood and Wine, which was Jennifer Lopez's first movie. It was Michael Caine coming back, doing really great stuff. Yeah. It was like a really cool, gritty, I didn't see that movie. gritty movie. You'd like it. And, and uh, But yeah, so anyway, Dennis, I couldn't meet, when, you, when you're up for a movie with Jack, you have to kind of once you, you're the director's choice you have to kind of go meet the man himself yeah. you got to get through that you got to go out to his place yeah you got to go out you know so if you're greg kinnear on as good as it gets you got to go and do the dance with jack kind of <laughs> go have a coffee whatever you know? <laughs> yeah and uh i wasn't able to do it because i'm doing space truckers in ireland so dennis vouched for me and uh i got the part and i ended up in, going straight to miami to a table reading and i met jack and uh after the movie, we became friends well, during the movie, and, and he's still been such a loyal friend to me to this day and one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. And I met Angelica through him. I met, met really, from Dennis on, I met all these interesting, amazing actors that I then... So from I'm, that generation? I'm happy I did that space yeah. movie, you know? Did you stay uh, tight with Dennis? Yeah, big time. I mean, that guy was the best-smelling man I've ever... I'm not gay, but yeah. Jesus, he smelled good. I really? would always tell him, I'd be like, God, how do you smell so good? And, and what did he say? He just, it was just his mix of cologne or something. I don't know. I wanted to go in the bathroom and just watch him <laughs> put it on. I'm like, dude, you just smell so good, D. You know, and uh, and, and he was just... He was an awesome person. I loved his uh, creativity and... Yeah, he was. His photos and his... Yeah. I met Ed Ruscheh through him. I met such great, interesting artists that are still my friends, you know, and so like... I even uh, I had an Easy Rider poster that I asked uh, Dennis and Jack to sign for me, and I never really knew Peter Fonda, so I never asked him. But I asked those two, and they, they signed sign it? it. And yeah, and Dennis's uh, signatures faded a little bit in the sun, but it says uh, uh, Dorf, smart, dedicated, demanding. You did me proud. Hop. Yeah. And then Jack wrote Dorf with one F. <laughs> Thank Hop for the recommendation. You did me proud, or something. You know, I don't know. Something, and it's just like I still have. It's you got to awesome. get Peter. I've talked to Peter. I know. I need to get Peter on there. He'll probably Make come a, over just to sign the poster. If yeah. You... <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan. I, I just I had I know the other two so well. So you tell you still talk to Jack? Yeah, I haven't I, I, since I've been home. I actually owe owe a call up. See, all right. Check in with him. I hope so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I Last just time I, I saw him, I, I miss seeing him at the Oscars. I can't watch the Oscars anymore. I know they're terrible. Him. Without his face, it's sitting just, up front, just there's sitting no there. Cre- there's no credibility. Anymore. Something. I guess a whole new generation. I mean, I don't know. The Oscars to me seem now like Dancing with the Stars. It's a little flat. <laughs> it just yeah. it seems like an episode of The yeah. Voice or something. Yeah. I don't know. There's weird stuff going on. It's, it's just the community's so you know. It's, it's just like lost its mojo. Something. It's not what it, it doesn't feel like. Everyone's everyone's over. There's too know. many award shows too. It used there's to too be many like, award shows you know. and everybody's so control. Like there's so much. Pub- every it's all very transparent. What everyone goes through to get an Oscar to get prepared for the Oscar. It's just this big sellout thing. 
You know what I yeah. mean? It doesn't feel like a like you know when I was a kid, you'd watch him and you'd, it was like royalty. You know, you just yeah, see, like Bob and, Evans, and Warren Beatty, yeah, you Jack, love Angelica. You know, like I got that whole I got slapped in the face uh, by this guy that did not look like who he was. Uh, I went to a birthday at. Uh, up at Jack's and small little gathering yeah. but it was like you know Warren yeah. and Annette and you yeah. know all the all the royalty and uh, mm-hmm. I get slapped in the face really hard by yeah. this dude with white hair and and, and I look over and, and it was Joe Pesci <laughs> and he's like Dorf you know we always talk about you when we're golfing and stuff you know they want me to do this movie I'm not doing it I'm not doing it I'm quitting fuck this town you know and all this shit and I'm like Joe that really hurt man and he's like ah come on you could take it kid we love you we love you Dorf you know and I was like how do I get mad at Joe Pesci I love the guy but fucking hey he like nailed me he, he did get out kind of didn't he uh, not, well, no, but he, the movie he was talking about was, I think, this new Scorsese one that he, he ultimately oh, is in. So he right. either was the, the Irishman or yeah, whatever. His Netflix thing. So I guess he was uh, either holding firm at that point. But he's funny. He's like, he's like, yeah, Bob, Marty, they all want me, and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the fucking thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe you should. You know, you're you're pretty awesome in that threesome. Maybe yeah. maybe that's exactly what you should do. Yeah. You know, and he <laughs> like, did I'm it. not an agent, but yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Come on, I, Joe. I just like it's so it's it's so it's such a great thing that you got to know all this that generation of those. That's cats. been to me honest. That's been my my most fun, and I think the things that I take away the most out of purely like from the experience of sometimes it really working and clicking. Yeah. You, like what what me and Mahersh uh, yeah had to play with on that going through three decades was amazing. Made me love acting again. But then the moments that really I take away aren't. Uh, you know how much a hit movie made or this it's really those relationships it's like being able to count those guys and also as i get older losing a lot of those guys so yeah for me it's a that was how i learned what i do for a living i learned from those guys really i, I learned from yeah i learned from, i say i always say the acting school i went to was the best because i worked with the real guys from jack to harvey Keitel to those directors from rafelson michael mann oliver stone you know to sophia to you know to Willem Dafoe to you know to those those guys that that's the best acting school you can go to. When did you like? When did you start doing it? When you were like fifteen or something? Acting? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I think I did. Was my your f- mom in the business? No, my mom was just our mom. She was. And your dad was writing country songs. And my dad was writing all these fucking songs. Pop too. He worked with Whitney Houston. He worked with Celine Dion. You know all the divas. Barbara Streisand. So you were kind of on the on the you were it was a different zone of show business, but it was in the house. Show yeah, business. Pe- famous people would come through. You yeah. know, my dad's studio, kind of similar to how you have a studio here at the house. Yeah, like my dad had his set up, and so he have these people come over. Like, what do you got? Yeah, what do you got? Play yeah. me something, Steve. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I need a theme song for this TV show, and then it'll he writes the theme song in fifteen minutes, and it becomes the theme song to Growing Pains, which we all grew up to, with. You know, like goes on for ten years. So he did all right for himself. Yeah, my dad did good. Yeah, divorce. Uh, I think heard him but uh yeah know, twice but uh he he did well and he's healthy how old were you when they do your parents divorced? i was older i was 19 i was oh, yeah. doing a i was doing a movie in england yeah um got Mac the call Be- beatles movie yeah that was a big break for you that was a big movie i remember i remember seeing it you were great in it, and it was an interesting angle on the beatles yeah it was like cool story he, he played too many stew people. yeah stew Sutcliffe and astrid and that yeah. whole kind of early hamburg yeah. day that was awesome part. I mean, it was weird. When I first got my first couple serious films, Power of One and Backbeat, they're both to play English guys, you know, like yeah. English South African or Liverpudlian and that, 
and Backbeat and, and all those great English actors in my category were just coming up, the Jude Laws, Ewan McGregor's and stuff, but they weren't getting the parts. They, they were, were a little younger me. than you? Yeah, a little, like, a, like I think a year or something. Oh, yeah. But they were all up for all these roles, but yeah. I kept getting these English parts. I'm like, well, I'm American. Am I ever going to play... <laughs> My own, somebody with my own voice and not have to have a dialect coach, you know? And then finally, those guys started getting all those roles and I started playing an American, you know? What'd you do? But how old were you then? Like, so that's- I was the- like 17 when I did Power of One. I was 19, I think, when I did uh, Backbeat. And like- I'm 45 now. Had you, like, had you studied acting? No, I was basically found in that, in my school at a little, I went to this little- uh, I was found by this little commercial agent lady who said, asked my mom if I could go out on commercials. And my yeah. mom kind of said, is that something you want to do, Stephen? And I said, yeah, it's something I want to do because I had been with my dad on some sets. Right. I saw kids on the set yeah. going to school on the set. And I right. was like, the hell is this? You know, this is what I want. I want to be with adults. And yeah. I didn't want to be in these private schools. I didn't have a great schooling experience in Los Angeles. I never had a teacher that really found that curve why'd you get kicked out of that camp it wasn't that i was like expelled it was more just like i was asked politely my mom to not have him come back you know that happened to me too for being a smart ass yeah smart ass class clown uh leaving for three weeks if i got a gig and then coming back would set the wrong tone for the other kids right whereas now they they'll let anybody who's on a series into their school they don't care give them their books yeah they're so actor friendly back then they weren't Uh. then i went to a school funny enough uh called the Bel Air Prep, which was not in Bel Air, it was like by Tower Records off Holloway. Yeah, on Sunset. Yeah, yeah, it's West Hollywood. But yeah. they called it Bel Air Prep, which I never understood. And uh, Jason Bateman went there, and I went there with Drew Barrymore. We were kind of in uh, seventh, eighth grade together, and we we were the Valley kids. So we took this van to over the hill to, from the school. They come pick you up. Yeah, this yeah. little van. Yeah, would pick up the Valley kids. <laughs> yeah. So we'd go over there, and uh, I remember going to school there, and then I ultimately got my diploma on uh, Power of One in Africa, where they sent it to me, and I got it in a in a FedEx or something. I don't know some UPS thing, and I realized I graduated high school. I got it from a school called Montclair Prep. Yeah, which was a private school. In New that, Jersey? No, it was it was in it was in the Valley. Oh. but they were just like the headmaster was just like, I don't care if you act, if you play football, come to us and we'll give you whatever you need. You know, so he was like, <laughs> he was awesome. So I had my teacher, my private tutor, and then yeah. I got my work from there, and I blah blah blah. I got so you my, got the diploma. I got my diploma, and but I, I was about to go to college. Uh, before I got that movie because I couldn't get a movie. So I auditioned for all these theater schools. So you just like you just started doing commercials when you were a kid? Yeah, commercials, and then I did this horror movie that um, a lot of sci-fi horror people love called The Gate. So I didn't know what acting was. It's a I cult just, movie? Yeah, it did really well. And like people like Tarantino, like they worship this. Oh, they, I mean, that's all they talk about. It's and like, you were oh, in that. Yeah, I've done three decades of other movies, but they'll always mention The Gate. That's you know? that's the one for them. Oh, yeah. And you were, <laughs> yeah. were you like 16 or I was, something? No, I was like 12. 12? Fat and a, had a bowl haircut. My grandma <laughs> came with me and I was up there for like six <laughs> weeks in Canada. And I was like, this is cool. I just have to scream and shoot rockets into demons. This is like- Forever you're that guy. The Gate. It. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so, but uh, but so you really just learned on the job, huh? Yeah, pretty much, you know. And then it was really like, kind of once I got into like, I got at some TV things. I got on Roseanne. I played the boyfriend. I did a couple scenes with John Goodman. So I was starting to like get my realize what theatrical acting was as opposed to just commercial. By doing by doing three camera stuff. 
yeah, just learning that, then learning film, getting you know, uh, you know, getting a lot of attention on auditions, but not getting just callbacks, but just not getting that role. And yeah. then finally, John Avildsen, who's not with us anymore, but who had directed a lot of films I grew up watching, like Rocky and yeah, Karate yeah. Kids, and he was doing this boxing movie in Africa, big book and big production, Warner Brothers, and I was this unknown guy, but I was in the ring, learning, fighting, training, and for this guy who was. A madman really made me work and, yeah. and finally gave me the part. And that was Power of One? Yeah. And that was a big change? That was the big... Well, that was like, took me on a year journey to Africa, London, working with yeah. Sir John Gilgood, Morgan Freeman. It was like, whoa, this, wow. is, this is the shit. And you're just like that and, that, and then you haven't really stopped working since. Yeah, no, I've hit some... I've hit some lows here and there, and I've had a weird career, you know. I've always been said that directors are the ones that... uh have kind of saved me because... Well, I mean, I've see, I see there's a lot of movies here, but I don't know a lot of them. Yeah, there was probably a string where I was getting paid doing movies that I probably shouldn't have done, you know? What, well, who decides that? I mean, you know, you get what you get, what you get offered, right? You know, and I guess, you, but isn't there somebody supposed to go like, maybe you shouldn't do this one, Steve? Yeah, but I do. I, I tend to like to spend money, <laughs> so I like to make money, too. <laughs> Not that it's the end all, but I do like to... The worst thing about that is, is you know what you're making is never going to be great. Yeah, which is not a great feeling. Right. That's like you starting you do an interview really. knowing this is going to suck. Yeah. It, it's it, no matter what I do, if I'm fucking Marlon Brando, it don't matter because we're never going to have the right <laughs> equipment because we took all the money. Yeah. They're going to have a sound man that doesn't has never recorded sound. <laughs> it's just never going to work. So like, but I would get. But the great thing about it is when I would do those movies, those yeah. few or like maybe I'd say yeah. five of them out of my whole resume. Right. I had great people with me that I got to work with. So I'd be like Bob Hoskins was in one that I did in Budapest that you'd never heard of called Den of Lions. Yeah. But I got to work with Bob Hoskins. It was right. fucking awesome. So we were... both knew it was a piece of shit, but it was at least <laughs> at least I got to work with him before he passed, you know? I did another one like called Fear.com or something, which right. was like a... <laughs> internet killing movie but I got to work with like Natasha McElhone and Stephen Ray and yeah. really cool actors you know so like I never was like in the middle of a the worst experience with nobody I always kind of went in with the team right but uh we kind of knew we weren't going to be making Gone with the Wind or something. So, you know? so those movies, it's sort of like you're getting paid for an education because you know going in that's sort of like, I don't know if anyone's going to see this movie. Well, yeah, because usually those movies have directors that, you know, the, the key element that you should decide, I think, as an actor is your first your first thing is is what's on the page. Second right. is who's directing. Third is who you can act with. Yeah. And those are, for me, the most important things. And, you know, you're basically going the opposite you're saying that's what i'm making yeah. great what about all these other things oh i don't care i guess <laughs> although i do care who i'm acting with right but the director part is the one that kind of you, you miss and when you're on a set for those movies you, you 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 find that most of the other actors know what's up too oh yeah yeah oh yeah and then you have the other well then you have the other flip side where you're doing a big movie that's a big studio movie that's probably going to make a shit ton of money it's yeah. going to be a big hit and i'm working with john hurt but I just didn't like the experience. You know, a movie called Immortals. Yeah. I'm on a green screen for five months and it's just boring. Oh, so you're not really doing anything. It's all dudes naked with yeah. abs everywhere and it's just not sexy and it's boring. <laughs> and it's just, I, mean, that, I, and, I wanted to kill myself. And working with Hurt, it didn't make well, it I love working with Hurt and we had a couple drinks together and God, man, what a fucking awesome dude he was. And we had some mutual friends. So, yeah. uh, I never got to act with him, really, unfortunately, Who? when that movie hurt. Oh, he, he, was just, he was just around? He, yeah, he had a kind of a bookend part. You know, he's kind of in the 
He's a great actor. He was great. Yeah, he's gone now too. I know, man. They're all fucking dropping, man. But now when, but I guess when you did Blade, that seemed like a big break, right? Yeah, I thought that was the uh, the ticket, the end of my career. Why? Because that was the first time I had uh, said yes to a high concept commercial studio movie. I had been kind of a renegade up until then, working with. Nicholson. I did a small movie with Mary Heron called I Shot Andy Warhol. Yeah, you're good in that, man. That's a weird little movie. That was great. Yeah, I started doing shit that people were like, why won't he do a hit movie? Why Wait, won't he do, why won't he play the Hollywood Did thing? you like doing the, but you like taking risks, obviously. You were yeah. willing to do whatever. Well, yeah, and, and Blade was just the first one that they came at me hard with. I had a big salary, and I was yeah. like, all right, I'll play the villain in this big vampire thing. I've yeah. always liked vampires, so sure. I'm like, I could do this. And then, you know, we did it, and then I I still thought it was going to be the end of my career, and then it was like the biggest movie I'd ever done, so I was like, this is Why do you think it would be the end? Because you like would lose sellout. your- I felt like it was pre-Marvel. It was pre that that's all that was, there is today. That that's was what, like the first Marvel movie. Yeah, almost. I mean, yeah. you know, the whole well, world yeah. now is like, you yeah. know, to find a cool drama that, you know, me yeah. and you and some actors could go make as a feature is very rare these right. days. You know, they don't- Maybe a handful of them every year, you know. There's unless you're doing small indie things that sure they're going to fight to try to even get a release. Right, you know, you're basically in the comic universe now. I mean, That's everything right. is that. And all those indie movies, they they make it to the screen maybe for a minute, and then you just watch it on Netflix yeah, or whatever. You become a festival favorite, and maybe you make it to the uh, you know the Dancing with the Stars ceremony <laughs> in March, or maybe next year it'll be in June because they they keep postponing it. Yeah, it's like the whole year is there's a, no more hosts anymore, and they're just gonna yeah. you know, they're gonna let people host it from their houses on Skype. Yeah. They're gonna do a contest. To I mean, the Oscars would be better if you just gave each person the award and, and gave the announcement over your podcast. <laughs> and like, and they just <laughs> yeah, have to just, come to Glendale to get it. Yeah, or just type, a, you know, or just make a little video that they post on YouTube. But it wasn't the, I mean, so you thought you were a sellout and that was gonna be the end of you. I did when I did that one. But now, I mean, to this day, I still get the the blade thing everywhere. I mean, it's just, you really, know, yeah. The, the blade and the gate. The gate, no, that's just for the weird oh, freaks. The freaks, right. Yeah, that's for the freaks. But the you're you're still the guy from Blade. Yeah, forever. big time, big time. And what but but you worked with like you did weird you did that John Waters movie. Yeah, I love working with John. They didn't want me to do a movie with John either. My Who, agents, your agents my agents. Yeah, they're like, No, 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 you gotta do this movie and, and I, it was like a a movie you've never heard of, the one they wanted me to do. The yeah. one I did with John was like his big budget action movie. It was right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like throwing oyster grenades at Melanie Griffith and it's about film terrorism and it's like shown in art colleges <laughs> to this day. Like I love John. He's like the coolest. He's still around. Smartest uh, friend of mine still. He calls me on my birthday every year. Oh yeah. I get this weird, hi Steven, it's John, how are you, happy birthday, you know, whatever, <laughs> in his weird voice. <laughs> I love the guy. Yeah, he's great, man. He's well, the who, kind of guy you could have like, like he's the most polite, sweetest guy. You would never know that the guy that comes up with the raunchiest shit. No, he seems movie. like it. I've never interviewed oh, he's him. So I should. Smart. I should. You should. Interv- I know. It's he like would I kill sh- it on this. I should you? do it. Oh yeah, he'd be great. I, I mean, I should do it before you know, it gets too late. And so, like, in terms of these directors, though, like, <clears throat> with Oliver Stone, that World Trade Center, that was, like, I remember that came out, and, like, I thought it was a great movie, but it didn't seem to hang out that long. It, maybe yeah, it's I mean, too it's heavy. A tough, it's a tough, tough thing. Topic, it was five yeah. years anniversary when it came out, and it was a well-made movie, and I thought Oliver did a great job, and I, it touched me because I was in New York 10 blocks from that when it happened. I was in Astoria on my roof. I was in... Uh, 
near Soho, you know, really? and uh, the wind, when the wind moved, Oof. you know, I had to go uptown. I couldn't get out. I, at that point, that you smell, know, you just want to be with your family, yeah. or, you know, because my mom, I wanted to be with my mom, my brother, my dad. I wanted to know, yeah. is, is LA next? What's right. going on? Yeah. What's going on? I never, sure. my generation had never seen something yeah. like this. Yeah. So nobody had. So it was, uh, it was important that I, I thought did that film and, and, uh, what was it like working with him? It was cool. He's very, you know, very quiet, very intense. Oh, but, really? But yeah, it made me work to get that part, and I needed the part because I wanted to show him I could play. He's like, "You can't do this. You're too cute for this." I said, "Well, Oliver, I'm an actor. I can, yeah. you know, show me what he looks like, and yeah. I can, I can, I can meet Scott, talk on the phone. I can, I get his voice. I know he's from Massapequa and Long, yeah. you know, Long Island. I, you know, I said, let me. I want to do something. I want to do something in this film. You know, and this is the best part I think for me. I don't. There's nothing else. Right. So he, you know, sure enough, maybe wait a couple months. He shot a lot of the stuff in New York, and when it came time to get into the, the big rescue sequence, uh, which is what Scott and Michael Shannon, yeah, those those parts, right, his right. part, the Marine yeah. comes, calls the SU. They came down, went in the rubble, and cut these guys out of the rubble. That know? was done in the studio. We did it all at Howard Hughes hangar, in, uh, uh, yeah, in Playa del Vista, Playa yeah, del, and. Uh, and they rebuilt 9-11 out there. It was pretty, it was all outside. The, 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 the pile of steel? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, man. Choppers flying over. I mean, it was, I can understand why the movie uh, wasn't a huge blockbuster. They weren't trying to, like, I don't think make money off it. It was more like, I think they even donated so, uh, a uh, lot uh, of the box office to it. But I think it did, like, 70, 80 mil in America. You know, it did a couple hundred mil yeah. worldwide. So. yeah. And uh, and but, but like in terms of directors, everyone's different, you know. Like you, every experience. captain's different, you know. I mean, like Sophia's the most gentle, sweet, you know. Having a tea and let's yeah. do a scene, of kind of like right. unreal yeah. experience. Yeah, uh, let's fly to Milan and shoot a scene there. Okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then uh, you know you're like with your friend and 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 um, that great DP that gave me the knife, Harris Savides, had shot that movie and. He was a genius, and he passed away uh, right after that. And um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, Sophia to Michael Mann to Michael Mann. What was that like? Which I movie love was that? Uh, that was Public Enemies. Oh yeah, which was cool. I got to. It was right after my mom passed, and I was in a pretty sad state. But I, you know, my mom. I was I was with her when I when he offered it to me, and I said, right. oh, I really love Michael Mann, mom. And but I don't know if I can go and do a movie right now, you know, because I knew my mom was. She was sick. Different than my brother. Yeah, I knew she was going any yeah, day. So right. I kind of, when I met with Michael, I, you know, I just said, "Look, you're Michael Mann. You can do whatever you want to do. You, there's a million people in line for this part. I, uh, this is what's going on in my life." Was it Dillinger? What was the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Public right. Enemies. Yeah, and it was. I played Homer Van Meter, who's kind of Depp's right hand. Yeah, uh, in the gang, and uh, I told Michael what I was dealing with, and he said, yeah, "Look, I'll get you caught up on prep later. You do what you have to do, but I want you in the movie to be good for you." And I was like. What a mensch, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I was with my mom. I was able to have that closure, oh. do what I needed to do, and then I shipped out. And everybody from Johnny on was uh, really supportive and sweet to me. What'd she have? Uh, she had a brain tumor, wow. a small little fucking tumor the size of an M and M that was uh, in the just the wrong part of the brain. You know, we couldn't go and get it, so you have to try to shrink it and do all this other advanced medicine. And we did pretty good with it for about a year, and then it comes back. You know, right. That's how Harris died. That's how Sidney Pollock died. That's how Harris Harris Savides that DP oh, that I was talking about. Oh, the same about. thing. Same thing. Went to my mom's doctor. Yeah, you see Pollock too, huh? Mm -hmm. Same little thing. Sidney Pollock. Same thing. Oh, <clears throat> man. And uh, you know, it's so it's uh, yeah, but at least you know. We lost my mom way too young, fifty nine. But but 
she was such a special um, lady. But you know, it was my brother that really was something else because those surprise phone calls that that shit's just the worst man it's terrifying it's heartbreaking yeah i mean every morning i wake up like i'll wake up in the middle of the night to to that reoccurring phone call it's like it's like a bad dream you know and all i can do is now with kind of the good stuff that's been happening just try to do great work for my brother and yeah i bought nashville kind of as an homage to him so i'm going to host events for his nonprofit on the property i'm i'm there to kind of be a face there as well uh more than i ever was before for my father to help him because we own this big catalog of songs with universal his publisher yeah just kind of keep getting these songs cut my brother's had three number ones since he's been gone seriously yeah he's had a rascal flats number one yours if you want it he had uh he's got a new carrie underwood single coming out that's awesome called ghosts on the stereo or ghosts on the and these were just ones he had oh yeah we own a thousand of them that he wrote yeah he was an amazing lyricist amazing wrote all blake shelton's hits uh my eyes uh he wrote uh Kenny Chesney's hits. He was kind of the new breed. He was he was on his way to lapping my dad for sure. That's what's kind of even more painful about it is is for a long time he didn't have money and he was always my brother, the son of my dad. And he was always trying to right. figure out his niche. Right. And he was the only one that moved down there and just sat there while they weren't cutting his songs. And I'd be like, what are you fucking doing out there? You know, fuck these Southern... Does he play? Did I, he play as No, well? he was more of just a little oh, beat yeah. poet. He was like a... He's just, just wrote a lyricist. Him. Yeah. Like, awesome. And he's just sitting down in Nashville writing them. Writing, not getting anything cut. Eight years go by, borrowing money from me, my dad. And I'm like, Andrew, yeah. come to LA or New York. You yeah. know so many people. You, you're a genius. You can work, write songs for Beyonce, write songs for, I mean, we'll get you in with somebody else. Yeah. You know? They're not cutting your songs. He's like, Steve, it takes time. I'm building something, building something. <laughs> sure enough, when that shit rocked, he was making more money than me and my dad. <laughs> I was borrowing money from him. Uh, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And the kid was right. He created his own niche. And so when you go to Nashville, Andrew means something more than my dad or me. Right. Because yeah. we don't work there every day. My dad's yeah. known as the Hollywood guy. He right. You know, he'll dip Hollywood in. Hollywood country. Yeah, he'll go in and dip in and do a George Strait session, but he's out. My brother was there just yeah. writing every day with writers, just oh. sitting there writing, smoking cigars, drinking, yeah. drinking champagne. He, oh. was a, he was a special kid. That's a, I'm sorry, man. That's yeah. rough. I can, uh, I'll actually send, uh, send you over a book of, uh, Universal did of his lyrics. It's oh, beautiful because really? each song is almost like a movie. You may get inspired to yeah. write a movie or something. I'll 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 have one sent over. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. And they published it, or it's just like they did it. Just they, I think they made like a as couple a, thousand. Yeah, they get uh, passed them out. Yeah, they passed them out at like the, the Country service. Music Awards oh, one year. Really? They've done really. Universal stepped up. Usually, you die and they forget you. You know, that's just what what I've realized about life. They kind of usually, you know, you leave your legacy, but. Shit moves on. They're yeah, not... people don't. I don't know if they handle, or I, I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. But it does seem that once when, when you pass, lives, yeah, you, you move just on. Go. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. the next day. What do I got? Oh, I got a coffee with Mark Maron. Right. I'm doing a podcast. I yeah. mean, you just you kind of have to move on. Almost. Sure. So, but Universal has been like really special, classy. Like they have a room at Universal in Nashville that uh, they dedicated to my brother. So now when all their writers come in to do a writing session in one of these oh, writers' yeah. rooms, it's the Andrew room. So yeah. there's pictures of him. Cigars. Was he older or young? He was younger. He was 40 when he died. Oh, man. Yeah, he would have been 42. Because I'm going to be 46 in 
July, end of July. Yeah, man. Well, that's good that you know there is a legacy and that you're honoring it, and that yeah, the, and also the getting music, the respect. Music stays alive, so it's nice it, when it I when definitely I, does when I hear them turn on the radio or something. And you uh, hear it, and I hear my brother's song. It's pretty dope. That's great, man. That's what he would have wanted. So. Yeah. Well, that's great. So now that I understand it, there was never a point where you're like, "This isn't working out. I got to do these things." Some of the movies. Do you know what I mean? Like you just like you like you you always had a reason for working, but it wasn't because you were like in trouble. No, I mean there was times where I ran out of money, you know, yeah. and had had some loans <laughs> that I needed to pay off. And right, I, right. I, luckily, I've, I'm kind of a late bloomer. I've never been married, and I I haven't had to support anybody but myself, really. Right. And my brother, when he needed money, until he started killing it. Yeah. Um, but there was never a point where it's like it's a dark time for for Dorf. It's like yeah, I mean, I never. The good news about me is, I uh, I come. I credit my family. I credit my mom and dad. I mean, I had a very tight knit family, and I think somehow along the way, I've had that voice of reason from my mother, even in the darkest of times, where yeah. I could have ended up in a pile of fucking blow and just yeah. you would have been reading about me or yeah. you would have seen me arrested and many times yeah and i never went that way yeah funny enough because i'm frankly kind of square when it comes to drugs because of my mother i think in a weird way i have that weird thing in my head too like, i come i come from a pretty gnarly life i've been partying i love to drink i love yeah. to smoke weed i mean i like to let go yeah but that's all i ever did and that's what oh, so I you think never saved got me. into the blood. never got into all the other shit. Yeah, never got into the the new wave of drugs. What people are doing, I, I just never. I my friends have you know. I mean, I just for me, it's best when I'm too tipsy or too stoned to just go to sleep or get, right. get in a drive, have a driver not take do me blow home. to do more. Yeah, and yeah. just have the party continue and continue and continue. I mean, you know, and I, I credit I think my family for that because once I never tried it, I why am I going to go and why go start it now it seems pretty stupid <laughs> you know i miss the best times it's, it's, the world you, is changing you, dramatically you had, you had your window for i blown. have my window it's gone yeah you missed it it's yeah. fucking gone you, you don't have to do it it's all right it's all right well yeah for me i always had that part of me that's sort of like i don't want to go too far like you know i don't want to get lost yeah like it was like i did I, blow but like you, you almost know. can see the end so well, if yeah, you can man. visualize that why am i going to go to it well yeah you don't you have know? that bug where it's just sort of like you lose your whole fucking life down the hole yeah you must have seen a lot of dudes go down though oh yeah and from uh from everybody yeah i mean i just you know it's I, i'm really really lucky and blessed that i'm still here and, and now getting the chance to hopefully do some of the best stuff I've ever done. I feel like that's going to happen, man. I mean, what, what? But you did like I'm much um, more humble too. I mean, I was kind of an asshole when I was young. I was kind of confused. I mean, you know, in what of, way? Just cocky? I think so, and just trying to maintain it all when you're young and you're kind of grow up in this dump, and then you you fucking you know. Yeah. I finally start seeing the world and working with artists. I think acting helped me. That was my education. That was where I met adults that I was like, wow. They're really smart. Wow, I got to listen and watch them. And, you know, because in L.A., you're in a bubble of a bunch of rich kids. I mean, I was going to school with the, you know, Prince of Kuwait's son and yeah. whatever. I was going to birthday parties where their kids are getting Bentleys for their 16th birthday. You know, just yeah, yeah. bullshit, just yeah. shit that's not real. Shit that I can't stand about L.A. now. I mean, right. I, I love nice things, but I'm not a flaunter. I've never been a flaunter. I've yeah. never been one to. Uh, well, you're out in Malibu. 
That's the, probably as flaunty as I get. But no, I'm, but also, I mean, I'm also like moving. You got to drive like. to flaunt yeah. when you live in Malibu. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me show you where I live. It's only going to take you two hours. Um, <laughs> now we're going to the club. Uh, no, uh, but no. I mean, I'm, I'm actually moving out of Malibu. It looks like for Nashville. Well, I got this place, and I'm I'm in the process of selling my spot. So I, in, I just need Malibu? a change. Yeah. Well, I think like like the the thing that that struck me when I when I saw True Detective, and I just I come at, I don't know nothing. I I'm I'm really out of the loop with a lot of stuff until somebody tells me. Yeah. And you know, it was almost like you know you were you were born again somehow. Like you know, like it was like I'd never seen you before, hmm. and I have. Of course, and everybody has, but like that role, it was like, what the fuck? Where's this coming from? I mean, you were always there, but I have to imagine that it's put you on the radar in some whole different way. You're a different age and you can fucking carry a lead, no problem. But also, you know, to do that character with that accent in that, you know, through those generations with the amount of depth you were able to bring to it was uh, kind of amazing. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Appreciate it. I mean, when did you feel that when you were doing it, or I was it just another natural, role? No, I felt a natural. I mean, it's you know, not to make the whole episode or podcast about my brother, but it was weird. It was a weird time. I was in Nashville. It was a year um, coming up on the year of his passing, and I yeah. was having a party for his community out there. And Vicky Thomas, who's an amazing casting director, they were asking. I got a random call while I was in Nashville. Yeah, that I was one of a few people that. They were considering for the lead of the new True Detective opposite Mahershala Ali, you know. And I was a fan of Mahershala's. I really liked him in Moonlight, but yeah. I really liked him in House of Cards. And I thought, I, I didn't realize he had been acting so many years before, doing parts and everything, but yeah. just not having a lead or a, a supporting role until, until recently. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Until House of Cards, oh, until yeah. some of that, I guess. Uh, so make a long story short, I said, I can't make that that meeting but i'll be happy to read you know on tape or something but i'm going to nashville for this this is what's going on and i my instinct was maybe i should call vicky thomas i never get to call casting directors because i'm always usually either offered the part or i pass on the part and the yeah. casting process when you're going for the lead or the second lead is not usually you don't usually have to meet the casting director right so i never get to really meet a lot of these cool cast directors that i've known for years that i used to audition to so i said you know what my instinct is i should call vicky yeah and she should hear it from me what's going on in my life yeah so i was just very honest and i said here's the deal this is what i'm doing and i have to do it and i've organized it for a month and a half and i got 200 of andrew's closest friends coming she's like you got to do that steven you come back as soon as you're back we'll lay it down on tape you know she was like a mensch, like Michael Mann. Yeah. So I came back, I laid the tape down. Next day I was in HBO, and, and the next day I was, I had, they wouldn't give me scripts. I had never, you know, they, up until my offer, I hadn't had a script. Uh-huh. You know, and I'm like, I've never What'd said yes. What do you know to, about it? Well, I've never said yes to a part without knowing what happens. And Nick <laughs> Pizzolatto's like, wrote me an email, and he said, you have no idea, Stephen. This is, you're going to knock this out of the part. You age to your mid-70s, you're, it's three decades. Roland is so important to this project, but I don't want you to read it until... You know, I know you're in. Yeah. And I said, all right, well, you have your process. And Nick, I'm a huge fan. And I, I love the first one. I didn't connect to the second one. Like, yeah. Like you had said, I was also working and I just didn't get a flow with it. Right. First one I thought was magical. Great, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Harrelson is like. Oh, I, he's I, brilliant in it. And Matthew McConaughey, great, yeah. I thought was the best I've ever seen him. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was brilliantly shot, brilliantly. The mood, the energy, the writing. I was just like, this is the best thing on TV since The Sopranos for me. Mm-hmm. I waited every week to watch it like a fan. Right. So cut to. I got two scenes for my 
audition for yeah. Nick. And I have no problem reading. If I have to read and I know it's going to be good, I'll fucking read. I love acting. You yeah. know? So give me something to read that I like. I ain't gonna audition for fear.com. You know, I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not, doing that. but I'll fucking, I'll, I'll go fight for a role if I have to. Fuck right. it. I don't have an ego with yeah. that. This is what I do. I'm an actor. Yeah. It's a crazy profession. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, uh, I fucking go in, I get these two scenes and I felt very natural with this accent. And they had said, don't do an accent. Because a lot of people, I guess, are coming in, dumbing it up with this southern accent. And I right. said, well, this guy's got to have an accent that's written that way. I said, I'm just going to trust myself and, I was listening to a lot of my brother's country stuff on the way to the HBO in Santa Monica. I go in there and I laid it down. And uh, um, uh, to the day of my brother's passing, they 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 offered me the role. And they um, and uh, a year I after, just, and then they started sending me the scripts. It was a year to the day. Yeah, a year yeah. to the day, two at a time. And I'm reading these scripts just at my around my house, going, "This is the weirdest thing in 30 years. I've never not known what the part is before taking it." Yeah. But now I'm getting to know what the part is, and the part is the best part in the show. It's yeah. like I it's just got he's got the best lines, the the, the sense of humor is on yeah. fire. He's got heart. He's this is the best role I I've ever gotten, and I get eight hours to play him. I don't have to squeeze it into ninety minutes or two hours. Yeah. You know where you get your your big scenes. You know you got a nail, right. and then you're out, and yeah. you hope that it all works. But right. This is all you. This is just me and Mahersh, and I'm going to work with that with that actor, and he's awesome, and. And God knows who else is going to be in this cast. And these scripts are this good. The, I got seven of the eight. Yeah, Mahersh and me didn't get eight until halfway through shooting because Nick hadn't actually. He knew how it was going to end, but he didn't pen it down. Uh, to so paper. he was still writing once you when he, he was, was shooting. Out, he had outlined it. Yeah, eight, yeah. But we got. I got the first seven, and I never remember me running around a house going, "I can't believe how many amazing scenes there are." You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, this old age shit is insane. How are we going to do this shit? Yeah, you know, yeah, is yeah. it going to be hokey? Is the makeup going to be good? You know, yeah. all the questions. And that that team was just. Awesome. Yeah. A plus production, A plus, uh, you know, just producing, just everybody that cares about what they're making and the crew from, from the lighting guys to the gaffers to the camera boys, they're all my friends still, focus pullers. I mean, like, you do something for seven months, a 120 day shoot or something, and I think I worked probably 110. Mahersh, I think, worked every day except for one. You do something like that, you really create a family. And I'd never experienced a series type thing like that. Living, right. You know, the way the world's going. And yeah. to be honest, to me, that's the money. If you can find, the my, my biggest problem is now is how do you find something as good as that? You know, right. it's not a show about dragons or a show about this or, you know, yeah. something that's a little more futuristic. Everything has an angle. True Detective, what's great about it is just grounded. It's just writing and acting. Yeah. There's no real... We're not. We're no not, bullshit. We're not flying. Yeah, we're not, yeah, yeah. No it's stunts. just it's it's shit and boots, you yeah, know. And yeah. it's awesome. And that, and that, so I love that. I mean, I, my only fear it's is you sitting with a dog. What the fuck am I gonna do now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, so the accent just you didn't like. So it came really natural. But it wasn't an Arkansas accent, or no, it was, it was kind of more of like a Texas Arkansas draw. Okay, you yeah, know, is what it was. Kind of a uh, I had done. Um, Texas in a small movie that I actually made with my buddy Ryan downstairs. Yeah. He's a big fan of yours. We made a pretty cool movie that you might like too. I'll, maybe I'll send you that too uh, called Wheeler. Did I, he write it, your pal? W there was no script. We just basically created an idea and then a ballsy idea of what if I went to pay homage to, my brother was still alive at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've written some music in the past, but I just never really went that way professionally because I was always busy. Plus, that's my dad and my brother's thing, yeah. and I don't really want to have an album at that. Right. You know, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'll write these for me, and one day maybe I'll use them in a movie or yeah, because I love playing. I play piano and guitar, and 
I love music, but yeah. it's not what I do for a living. So yeah. I had this idea in my living room. I wasn't getting any movies. I was kind of in a funk and uh, me and Ryan are like, what if we dropped into Nashville as a singer songwriter and did more like a documentary with just a treatment, you know, without the ending yeah. maybe, or maybe a beginning, middle and end and fill it and just put them on its feet and, and film it the way Sasha Baron Cohen would do right. a comedy, get releases, yeah. get access through some friends in the biz, which we have, but, right. but really make this character live on his own. And how yeah. can we do that when I'm the guy from Blade and I have that face that some people do know? Yeah, I'm not Tom Cruise, but I do have that sure. thing. So why not Are call- you happy you're not Tom Cruise? Yeah, I'm a sucker for Tom Cruise. I think he's still No, but I mean, like, are you happy with your Yeah, play? I have. I mean, to be honest, True Detective's been gnarly because the power of, of a show that hits the zeitgeist like that show and when it's received well, I you know, every day somebody comes up to me right. about that. It's pretty, that's different. You like I it? I usually get, yeah, I don't love it. Yeah, but I I do like the response. <laughs> sure, because I you like the you did good work and they like the work. Yeah. but it's like you want to be like, able... that fucking season sucked. Right, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like I'll take the fucking nice thing. Yeah, but um, so anyway, we I said fuck, let's go, let's call Christian Tinsley. He was a great makeup man, and I'd worked with on a couple movies. And I said, what can you do to my face to change my chin or my nose, my yeah. face? We put a wig on. How can I drop into Nashville for two weeks and shoot a movie as a singer songwriter? Get a, I'll get a fucking spot at the Bluebird. I'll get a fucking in a writing round here and there and there. It'll make my brother nervous, but I'll get some access and then I'll let it live. And if it'll either fall on its ass or it'll live, and we'll c- come up with a narrative and make a movie. Yeah. And he's like, "This is bananas idea." I said, "Think Sasha Baron Cohen, how he would do Barat or one of his." Yeah. But I'm doing a drama. Right. Wheeler Bryson. He's from Kaufman, Texas. He drives all the way into Nashville. It's his first time. His dad, daddy's just died, and he just wants to see if his music means anything to this town the way it did back in his small town. Yeah. American dream story. Right. So I write the whole album. I sing the whole fucking album, and we went under prosthetics, and I went into Nashville for 14 days, and we shot this movie. LA Times, New York Times loved it. Bad release. Not too many people have seen it, but it's the kind of movie that I think over years and over time people really trip. You should. No, I, gotta, I gotta watch I gotta it. Gotta show it to you. And yeah. I want to watch Blood and Wine too. But Wheeler was fun, and so the point of that story was I had this cool accent, and I right. kind of just used a little bit of Wheeler without the Texas thing so much into Roland, and the naturalness of it came through, and I just trusted it. I didn't work with a dialect coach. I just I, I had a connection to this part. In a weird way, yeah, I, I, I that I've I never saw, had before. I, I, saw, I, I felt it. I didn't have to do much. I didn't know who you were for like an hour. Well, yeah, well, that wig doesn't help in the eighties. <laughs> no, but I mean, my eighties like, look. <laughs> but still, like, I just it, it, yeah. it was so organic that, like, I, I wasn't. You know what I mean? It's, it was, and Mahersh is so great in it too. I mean, just the whole connection. It's really a, a show. His about character a, was tricky, man. I mean, like, you really grounded that whole fucking that whole season. Mm-hmm. You know, because his character was like. It, it was sort of, he was hard to like, you know, for a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, the acting was great. Yeah. But it was a difficult character. Yeah. He's a, he's a stone cold, tough, yeah. quiet. That last beat at the end, I thought was genius. I think they wanted, uh, they wanted, uh, Nick to cut that. And he's like, I'm not cutting that. I thought it was great because the poetry of it, man. Yeah. I love, I mean, I just, I love Nick. He, he really, I'll never forget that dude. He gave me, Gave me a gift there. Yeah. So what now, like, how has it changed your life? Well, I did a film, a really cool film right after that I think is coming more at the end of this year. It's called Embattled. I played this UFC, kind of like a Conor McGregor type guy, which was really hard to play after Roland because Roland was so 
uh, rich and so soulful and, yeah. and had so much heart that I went right into this really ignorant, obnoxious beast of a guy, but it was a really well-written part. Did you have to get all ripped or was it? Yeah, I got pretty big for it. I went right from True Detective into that. I finished that in like uh, mid-November, had the holidays, and then... Um, January, we went on the press thing for True Detective. I went to Europe a few times. I did some of that because Mahershala was busy with the Oscar. I mean, the timing of right. this you season had was away. bananas. It was yeah. very similar to the first one when Matthew had Dallas Buyers Club. But in a way, that Academy campaign was coinciding with right. True Detective. I mean, yeah. what a year for someone's got Yeah, someone's got to go rep the show. Yeah, so I was flying around. I went to Lisbon, London a few times, Paris. I did kind of the dance out there. For and the did show. well internationally? Yeah, yeah, they loved it. They all loved it. And that, and then you came back? And then I came back and I've been uh, you know, reading scripts. I found a couple of cool things that I like and um, kind of in the process of figuring out... Uh, what I'm going to do. I mean, I just, uh, the, I've been trying to be picky. You know, I did take, I, I did a show, uh, I did a show with David Ayer, director who, uh, you know, he did uh, End of Watch and Fury and uh -huh. Suicide Squad. Intense, intense dude, uh, but good movie maker. And uh, we made a, we made a new show called Deputy, which is a show I didn't want to make, but ultimately did. And uh, How many episodes? had a really good experience. I only made the first one, so I yeah. made a pilot of it. Oh, so you don't know if it's going to go or not? You yeah, I mean, they say it is, but uh, I won't know till I know. So right now I'm going to focus on what, you know, try to find a good movie to do. And there's been a couple that I like. There's a cool one that I, I, I don't know why I'm, the West keeps father, fo following me, whether it's country or you I don't got know. got that grit to you. I don't know what it is, yeah. but they want me to play a... Uh, an old rodeo clown, kind of like a bull rider, kind of like the yeah. re the wrestler was for Mickey Work, but almost like a forty six year old uh, rodeo clown who used to ride and was a bit of a legend. But he's so broken and he's kind of bone on bone, cartilage, just steroided out. And that's he's, why he had to become a clown. Uh, yeah, he becomes a rodeo clown, but it's he gets back on, and it's kind of this pretty awesome. It's called The Last Carnival. It's a pretty cool cool movie. Whose movie's that? It's first time director, my oh. friend, a friend of mine, huh. and. and uh, it's the best script I've read. I mean, everything else that I've read has been so bad that I don't know how to. That's the problem when you get something so special. Yeah. What do you? How do you follow it? Right. And you would think that, like, you would think that you'd be getting <clears throat> like you know special scripts, but I guess they're they're just rare in general. They're rare in general. Right. I mean, they're just not around. Yeah. You can yeah. win the Oscar like Mahersh, and then what do you do next? You know, when well, yeah. he found a movie, I guess he's going to do some sci-fi movie. But yeah. uh, you know, we all know what the scripts are that are out there. There's not. Not right. many of them. That's the thing. That's why I think That's Mahershala sad, right? was so smart to go after Nick. He went after Nick for True Detective. He did. Yeah. And Nick changed the part for him. Do you have good things to say about Arkansas? Yeah, I had a great time in Fayetteville. Yeah. <clears throat> Fayetteville and Bentonville are kind of known for the Waltons, basically, because yeah. they started Walmart and they've infused so much money. They've made a big art museum down there, I think. Huge. So. Yeah. yeah, Willows. I mean, um, Crystal Bridges. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, de Kooning's, you know, Edward Hopper, some of the most incredible paintings you've ever seen. And that's just all Alice Walton, just paying back to the community, buying amazing paintings in auction and putting them in this free museum. So they're not all bad. No, I mean, I don't, you know, they seem pretty good to the community. They, yeah, bought, a, good. they bought a beautiful theater in Fayetteville. Fayetteville, where we were based, is more, um, more of a liberal little yeah. bar town, college town. And right. So really nice people. Uh, I met some, made some good friends there. That's good. Uh, you know, I really you're, liked you're it. You go out, out ten minutes out of these towns, and you're kind of <laughs> in, you're in uh, red state America. Definitely, sure. where where shit hasn't changed in many years for these people. Yeah, so, they're holding the line. 
yeah, I, I kind of would stay in Fayetteville. And then we basically, the show took us on all these incredible journeys through the Ozarks, whether it was Devil's Den to Northwest Arkansas, you know, just we shot everywhere. That's know? cool. And, and it doesn't uh, Bateman shoot down there too? He shoots in Atlanta. Most uh, oh. they shoot that show in Atlanta. But, uh, but you guys uh, friends? Yeah, he's a really nice guy. I've known he him is. since we went to school. I know, and, like uh, kids. And I, funny enough, I was in Atlanta, and he came up to me, and um, I hadn't seen him, uh, but he congratulated me. He told me how he tried to get our DP, but he got our editor. For, he basically took for the whole True Detective for uh, this new show he's working on. He's working on a new show that he's the producer of that he's, I think, got a cameo in, but it's a. Uh, it's like a murder mystery HBO. Is Ozark's already over? No, he's still doing that too. Kids like guys on fire. He's like doing two at once in Atlanta. I guess when you get your window, you got to take it. Yeah, he's always been a nice dude, and his wife Amanda I've known for years since yeah. my first girlfriend. He, I, he seems like a pretty genuine guy. I've yeah. interviewed him and I've run into him, and he's always real nice. Yeah, you got to be happy for people like that, you know, because he's just uh, he's good too, and he knows good. what he's capable. He of. is. Yeah, yeah, he is good. Well, it was great talking to you, buddy. Mark, that was awesome, man. Yeah, really, I wish thank, I could. Thanks for having me. I, I wish I could tell you. I, I feel like I should be like, just take that knife, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give no, it. No, to no, you. no, no, no. You keep it. I'm gonna keep my knife. You've yeah. got a few. Yeah, man. All right, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mark. That was Dorf. We're still in touch. He sent me the the a beautiful book of his uh of his brother's uh, uh work and uh, words and pictures. Just uh. What is what a what a solid guy. Now I'm gonna play some airy sad guitar for you.